0: Today, looking for Garza, back and for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history.
1: Hi, y'all. Five straight final. JCM Jones from 30 South Soccer. J. Patrick. Joe Patrick, whatever. No, you're not Jay Patrick. You're Joe Patrick. Oh, I, I forgot two letters. Joe Patrick <laughs> from Dirty South Soccer is over there as well. So hey,
0: Joe. You know, I was going to make a joke about, you know, how long it's been since we last done this. And obviously, and then I was thinking, uh, maybe is this like our, the, the soonest we've ever done podcast? But no, like we were doing them last year, like back-to-back days at, at points.
1: Yeah, because we, we were doing it. Remember back when we were motivated? Like <laughs> yeah. Wow. Midweek shows. <laughs> Crazy crazy um i do want to before we get into this show i do want to say if y'all want to go back and listen to that show we dropped literally right before a game um we we had it we had some good talk in there we had some good talk in there it was not so
0: it's you know it's five strike final like post toronto but most of the talk was not about the toronto game or or would just still be relevant after the after the toronto game so
1: yeah good stuff one
0: of our better ones
1: you called, it a, you called it a flow state. I think it was just me bullshitting, but the flow state works too. Flow state works too. I was lucid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we'll see how lucid we are for this one. Uh, yesterday, despite kind of an exciting ending, kind of a kind of a snoozer there, Joe Patrick. But also, I was not in the stadium. And also, I was a couple of years in. And also, uh, the bar I was that didn't have the sound on. So, I was just kind of guessing at things. Don't know about well, you
0: it kind of similar situation aside from uh, any beers, but like it was a very quiet and not in the stadium, but like just where in the press box, Mm -hmm. it was like oddly quiet because you weren't there and Felipe Cardenas wasn't there. He's out covering the gold cup right now. And there was just like a lot of, I guess there's probably a lot of the, uh, the Spanish language media who are probably gone covering the the gold cup as well. Uh, A lot of them weren't there. So it was just like not a lot of people in the press box yesterday, which made for kind of a weird, weird atmosphere and it's always quiet in there you know it's, right like, they don't pump in music and then the craziest thing happened <laughs> during the game like towards the end you know like the uh the crazy loud hvac unit that is the only sound that's up there yeah uh, that always was caught on our early the early tapes of uh, five stripe final that actually shut off for the first time ever and like when it went off everybody just looked around at each other <laughs> and uh and chris, chris raymondi one of the communication staff was like i don't know if this has ever happened before the, the 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 ac is actually i don't know reach temperature i guess or something i don't know but it was weird it was kind of a weird vibe i heard that the uh, inside the stadium like on the other side of the glass <laughs> it was very loud from the uh, yeah. loudspeakers
1: i i heard that like you literally could not talk to people yeah. next to you kind of deal, uh, because they just decided to throw the gain on the on the loudspeaker way, way, way up, like they were at a, a Garth Brooks concert or something. Um, they still have not figured like, out the sound system there. It's very they funny. had it
0: on Monster Jam settings. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, unfortunately, the game got played in NDS this time. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It was just hard to stay focused and stay into it. And I, I think this yeah. is something I want to touch on kind of immediately here, is that the condensing of the schedule has made maybe not less fun. It's just le- each game feels less like an event. If yeah, that makes sense,
0: totally. You know, totally agree. It, it, mid, I I like midweek games to a to a point. Obviously, this one wasn't a midweek game, but they all like what the, the 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 problem is that when you have so many midweek games they all just feel like the same midweek game like there yeah there's not that kind of build up that you would normally get over the course of a week which is i think what yeah what you were saying um yeah i don't, I, it, I like midweek games like i was saying but i don't like this many of them cuz kind of they lose their appeal it's cool to have like two or three throughout the course of a season that makes them feel kind of special like a night game you know um during the week but yeah it just feels that, like too much
1: on top of that this whole schedule thing has been A fiasco in general around the league because you have teams like poor, sweet, innocent flower child Cincinnati who played. They were already a USL team. This was a USL three team yesterday and got rocked 7 1 against Minnesota because they had no one. They had no one. They were missing like eight of their normal starters.
0: It was so funny. Every time. So we were like sitting there just kind of, you know, killing time before the game and and that game was being played and we were just like eating and talking and stuff. No one was kind of like really paying attention to it. But every time someone would kind of like walk over and sit down at the table or something, you know, they would glance at the TV and look at the score. And, um, and every time they did, they'd be like, Oh man, Cincinnati. And every time you looked up then to check the score, there was another goal score. <laughs> oh, it's <was> <laughs> like, it's like, cause there was one time it's like, Oh man, it's, is it still three nothing? know, it's four. Now it's four, five, six. Yeah. It was just. Woof. Yeah.
1: Woof. Well, I mean, MLS is going to be a crapshoot in general anyway, but, but the quality of play seems to be down because of it, because you have so many games and you have a Gold Cup break and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it's, it's how you get outcomes like, to be fair, a suddenly surging Colorado Rapids just kind of beating up a little bit on, yeah. on LAFC all of a sudden, literally the best team in history uh, through through 17, 18 games. Uh, but, you know, it, it's showing and the kind of play we're seeing with, you know, Atlanta United in Montreal and yeah, having to I, play I, a I lot even of thought, normally
0: wouldn't. I, I even thought the Toronto game uh, from, an, uh, from an Atlanta United perspective, like they just didn't look fit and sharp and stuff because, you know, the Atlanta United players probably needed some rest after having played like eight games and, you know, basically two games a week for a month. Uh, in May, You know, they Frank DeBoer had to give these guys a break. Otherwise, you're going to run into some injury situations mm-hmm. uh, and, and some, you know, just like disgruntled. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, these guys need a break. And I think, yeah, and then it's like they're now they're not at their peak. Uh, and so they have to kind of like work themselves kind of back into some match sharpness and fitness and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's nuts. But f- for me, like the reason it was really boring was because Montreal. Like they just didn't want to play. They came in, they were one of, it was one of the most cynical performances I've seen. Not cynical in terms of like time wasting and that kind of thing. Although they probably did that kind of stuff. I wasn't, it's, mm. I don't. I wasn't really paying attention to that so much, but just, just the way they set up, at least from the press box. Cause you see things differently from up there. It was so, <laughs> so defensive. Um,
1: you do, you do. I've been told that by many a person <laughs> that you see it very, very differently
0: as a joke, by the way, everybody. Um, Like it was crazy, like uh, not just 11 men behind the ball, but like damn near 11 men in their own defensive third, maybe, maybe 10 and they would have one guy kind of out venturing toward the midfield stripe, but it almost didn't even seem like they were playing with a forward really when, when they didn't have the ball, they were just kind of, it was like a two banks of five essentially. And it Uh, is hard to play against that, especially when you don't have your main attacking players uh, on the team right now.
1: Definitely. Definitely, I will say that still the, the goat cynical performance from a team just coming in and wasting time from the beginning and putting a million can, people behind the ball. Can I
0: guess? Can I guess? Yeah, what totally, you're gonna say? totally. I'm going to say uh, Seattle last year. Oh, you nailed it! You nailed it.
1: It was <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> like I mean, the fourth minute, just yeah. taking their time. They they snuck in and got a goal somewhere. There at the beginning, and at that point, I mean, completely shut it down. It was a 1 1 draw. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: Nico Ladero was just like, he was literally time wasting from the game, the time the game kicked off. He he was one
1: point just laid on the ball, laid (laughs) on top of it, just a that's right here. Um, So that that was incredible. This one, a little less time wasting, like you said, but still definitely 10, 11 folks behind the ball at all times, which. We've become accustomed to. Every, the league has kind of put out that scouting report, right? Like, this yeah. is how you beat Atlanta, blah, 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 blah. But, fortunately, there were, there were a couple of moments of, of magic for, for Justin Miram, which sometimes I mean, you just got to have it, Thanks. right? You just got yeah. to get lucky, and, and you're going to take that when a team is, is doing that. The problem here for me, Joe Patrick, is I don't know if you've looked at the XG numbers, but... <laughs> I haven't looked. Atlanta had 15 total shots, right? Mm-hmm. Montreal had five. Montreal still accrued about half a point higher XG than Atlanta in this game. Just from yeah, five I mean, shots compared to 15.
0: That goal they scored was it's right gotta, It's got to be a huge circle. <laughs> it's got to be a exactly. huge XG. But um, there, there,
1: are, there are a couple bigger circles there on, on the map, right? Um, yeah. And Atlanta has a couple huge circles of their own. Sitting there, and and that's kind of what concerns me a little bit, especially when we're playing against teams of bunkers. Is our propensity to, and uh, you know, we've seen it a lot, honestly, is to just give up random cheap goals on it the break and goals. stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that one, the, the one that actually went in was kind of a fluke, but they did get hit on the break a few times, and yeah, yeah, they the did,
0: there. yeah. There, there was one, uh, that was great, it was, it, was, it was a really nice counterattack from them, went up down up their left side, and the guy hit like a nice, like curling low cross um and i forget who was on the end of it i don't know any of the players on montreal impact by the way um but whoever it connected with kind of just missed it just wide but i think that you know this is like yeah i mean this is the book like the reason montreal played this way is because it is effective like it is the way to play against atlanta united you know it's it's your best chance of winning um if not you know getting a point and it's just demoralizing that it that means that we're just going to see more of it and more of it and more of it until maybe like some great, like a good team comes in. But it'll be really interesting to see what a team, you know, some attacking team will play like when they come to a Mercedes Benz stadium. I Absolutely don't know when weird. that will happen. I haven't looked at the schedule.
1: Uh, Red Bulls Sunday, buddy. Be there. Um, That in the long term, that is concerning, though. As far as if you look at what is now a single elimination playoff, you know, if, if you mm-hmm. do have that vulnerability where you are going to get hit on the break and you maybe don't have the people to to break down the bunker, then that can be really concerning. When say like a, a Philadelphia Union or something like that, but that that's way in the future. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, but hopefully, I mean, l- luckily, uh, you know, Atlanta will be getting some players back. You know, they'll be getting Ezekiel Barco and Tito Villalba mm-hmm. and Joseph Martinez back, so that that will help things. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, just going. Sitting through those games can be a chore sometimes, and you hate it when it feels that way. But three points, right? That's what everybody cares about, right? Three points with a a
1: mostly lesser 11, which I think goes again to just an incredible job of roster building done by the front office with with random people like who who weren't even on the radar, you know, before the season started with with Florence and with Justin. Uh, with Dion Pereira. Justin you know. Miram
0: wasn't even on the team when the season started and he, he exactly. came in the last day of the transfer window. Exactly. So you know. that's what I love about this team. Like this team will never stop trying to improve itself, even when it feels like they're already the best squad or like they already have assembled, you know, the most talent. Like they're always pushing the boundary to try to get in, you know, try to get in someone else. Try to try to try to improve it constantly, even even when it seems great already. So comes in handy when you have a guy like Justin Miram come in and Able to score uh, two goals for you in a game like this.
1: Yeah, talking about the XG again, I'm looking at the map and looking at where Miram's goal is. And it took me a second to find it because it is a little tiny dot just yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> about 25, 30 yards out. Uh, pretty incredible one. And it's very similar, I thought, to the uh, goal Tito scored against San Jose during the VAR quiz. Yeah, it was. Yep.
0: Yep. It was yep. cool. Uh, that, that goal, you know, from it, it was coming right at me like 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 the it was the angle that the shot was taken from was like right at the corner where the where the press box is um so that was fun you could kind of just like see it was going in for a long part of its travel which was cool yeah. Absolutely, i think we need to um stop beating him around the bush though and talk about pity martinez
1: <laughs> i was just about to say i was just about to say how do, how do you think things change trying to break down bunkering teams when we do get Everyone back, and especially how does PD's role change? You know, does he just drop deeper and, and try to play, you know, through balls or line-breaking passes or something like that? Just kind of let Zeke carry the load for for going forward and trying to get the defense unsettled a little bit as they try to try to reset. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure where, where PD fits in, especially when you have Frank DeBoer calling him a danger to the team was well, a that, thing that was said.
0: We need we need to talk about this because this is a classic Frank Deboer moment where he just can't help but spill the truth. Like he's done this several times already this season. A lot of it's been, you know, as people know about like, you know, he'll he'll reveal that the team is, you know, making a making a trade or something. He he did it we talked about it on the last H-Dad actually about him spilling the news on the Romario Williams trade <laughs> and the <laughs> communication staff definitely was not prepared for that. Um and in this one, yeah, he started off his response. It was Eric Quintana uh, from Mouse of the South and House South Soccer asked a question about um, Pitti Martinez uh, and whether like he would be in the lineup, really, if um, it, when everybody's healthy, and which is an interesting conversation. And Frank DeBoer didn't really go into that, but he just started talking about Pitti. And uh, he kind of praised him for his performance in Toronto, said it was one of his best performances of the year, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and then, yeah, couldn't help but default back to the truth, which was that, yeah, he was becoming a danger to the team. And he had to take him out. And you had—I think you had to give Frank, Frank DeBoer a lot of credit for taking out Pitti Martinez, who's like your only "quote unquote" superstar in that game, with all these players out that we've already talked about, and to take him out of a game when you're chasing a goal in the 16th minute. I think it takes—it's that it takes balls.
1: I think if he really had the balls, I think he would send them to Loudoun like he did with Andrew, <laughs> right to Loudoun County, <laughs> right there in Nova.
0: So. Um, Uh, well, so scary. (laughs) Toyota football, uh, mentioned, I think it was him, uh, mentioned this morning, kind of just as, you know, we were thinking about the issues that he's had and you think about whether like, do you go to a three, five, two, um, in order to be able to just be able to play pity as a striker really, so that you're not kind of relying on the lack of movement, um, that he provides or does not provide. And, you know, to me, I just don't know if that's going to really solve much because He's still like, even if you play him as a forward, he's still not going to like make runs that you would want a forward to make, you know, like he's not going to run back behind the line, behind the opposition back line, you know, which is what you would want a forward to be doing. So I feel like he would be kind of a waste of a spot up there. I don't really know what's going to happen. I just keep telling myself the mantra that when all the players come back, we'll see like a better version of him because he plays better around better players, which. Has to be true, I would think, but he's not Miguel Almiron, which is what I mean. And obviously, his play style, we knew that, but he's not like going to elevate the rest of his teammates, like especially if they're reserve players, like we saw last night. He's not the right. kind of player who can kind of. He's not John Stockton, essentially,
1: <laughs> and we know the good people over at Mercedes-Benz St- Stadium love love them some John Stockton uh, to the point where. Few of them are even named after John Stockton. Amazing! <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a that's an in depth that's a basement tapes that's another basement tapes five track final story that for is. another day. We'll have to do a, we'll have to like a like a live show where like three people who listen to the show attend that just ask us questions about things so we can share these stories, and <laughs> yeah. not record it, <laughs> so it's off the record. But uh, it's gonna be interesting, man. I don't know. I. I I don't know what to do with them. It's just like this thing is there and it's large and it's in the living room, but you kind of feel like the living room might be better balanced if it wasn't there sometimes. But you know you don't want to get rid of the thing because you spent a lot of money on the thing. There's got to be a place for the thing. Buyer's remorse,
0: yeah, it's buyer's remorse. Like, oh god, what am I what am I gonna do? Um,
1: and now you can't resell it because the value is going down. And now it's what's right. You already drove it off the lot. This is a car, man. This is a. Car it's depreciating in value, so we gotta soup it up. Yeah, we gotta make something happen.
0: That's right. That, that's a good analogy. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, I need to be. I need to eat some crow on uh, Florentine Pogba. I think because I kind of had gone I off. I don't know if I. Here. I don't know if I did it on this show. Maybe I did, but definitely on just Twitter and stuff. I kind of was making the point that I didn't think Florentine Pogba was suited to play left back, and turns out he's decent at left. He's a decent left back. Not great. I mean, he wasn't spectacular. I think he's definitely obviously very limited. He's clearly, he has a center back's body, right? He's like a huge hulking beast of a man. But I think that, you know, he can do a job. I I, kind of, it makes me, reminds me of the Anton walk situation um, in Tata Martino's first year where, you know, we had Tyrone Mears, who was the right back, and that was kind of the plan. But then it just, you know, you needed some more security. And because he, he was just kind of weak um, defensively, especially over there. And Anton Walks just gave you a little bit more security. And I felt more secure with Florentine Pogba at left back last night than like if Breck Shea probably were to have been playing over there. What about you? Yeah,
1: no, he stays back a little more, but he's a smart passer, right? Like he's maybe yeah. not a comfortable. Possessor of the ball. Like, if you put pressure on him, he's probably going to freak out a little bit. And I think that's something that Rob Ushery was pointing at uh, this morning as well. But he's a smart passer. And, you know, he can do, you know, he's going to be limited attacking wise. But like you said, it is another safety blanket back there defensively. And you would think that would lessen some of the chances on the break. It didn't necessarily do that last night. But it's not to say that it would have been better or worse with with Breck Shea. I I don't know. I feel. Gosh, it feels like the the fullback position in the history of LA United, say for healthy Greg Garza it, and Franco and Franco, of course, yeah, you know, is is mostly just interchangeable faces doing pretty much the same thing, and you're just hoping they don't screw it up because yep. it's MLS and that's LMS words, right?
0: Yeah, every MLS team has terrible fullbacks or at least one terrible fullback that they have to that they're forced to play. Um, I actually thought that Florentino Papa did kind of help stifle counterattacks at times with his aerial ability, you know, because teams will want to try to, you know, teams that play the way Montreal Impact do um, when they're sitting back that deep, they'll want to try to play those long balls immediately, uh, especially to the flanks to like try to get their fast wingers onto balls. And he was there just like anytime they tried to go to his side, they tried to do it a lot on goal kicks early in the game and he was just cleaning it up. And then when he's able to, when he's he, he's winning those headers and he's just heading the ball right back to our midfield and we were able to put Montreal. Uh, I was about to say back under pressure. I don't know how much pressure we were actually applying to Montreal, but at least it, we, we were able to just regain possession immediately off of those uh, actions. So,
1: Also extremely helpful in, in cutting off counterattacks and doing pretty much everything else yesterday was Darlington Nagby, who was very good, yes?
0: Yeah, I mean... I, I tweeted his pass map earlier today. He had one incomplete pass out of 74 total passes. So Gosh, wow. pretty <laughs> impressive. But I mean, they were all sideways, you know, like it wasn't like he was being super incisive or anything. But I thought that, you know, someone with his ability, to just his technical ability to control the ball um, was really helpful, especially later in the game. You could see that like he when you have someone like him that can control the ball, it allows the rest of the Atlanta United players to just continue to slowly push forward and just push players up into the box. And it just eventually just overwhelms, you know, when you get that many players forward, it can just be overwhelming. So I thought that the team did better in that sense, um, doing that in the second half, especially after Pitty came off um, in just forcing Montreal so deep that they, they didn't really have any options defensively. And, uh, and we were able to start getting some crosses in and creating some havoc.
1: This game was terrible. This is awful. This is awful. (laughs) Let's talk about do we wanna do want to touch briefly on on crosses because I thought I don't know the stats on this, but like remember last year, maybe even two years ago, shit, we've been doing this a while, but where Tata would be like, Yeah, no, we told them to cross the ball more. And everyone looked at each other and went, Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Because like inherently you're like, Wait, this is a low percentage kind of thing.
0: That's the, the smart soccer people with uh, their cappuccinos and horn-rimmed glasses say that that's not the way to play soccer. The crosses.
1: Right, but it, the idea is that it's going to cause a little bit of more chaos, right? It's going right. to unsettle the defense. The lines are going to get a little bit shifted, things like that. We saw a little bit more of that, I thought, and maybe it's something they need to think about doing i guess when when the bunkering happens is to go back that tata martino philosophy i think i saw it a little more and i mentioned it during the game i don't know how much it actually panned out but you know it it doesn't seem like we're getting a lot of help on the wings
0: yeah i i everyone was kind of begging for it i think internally at least uh in the press box like you could just see they just needed to they you know it you want to try to break down a team, right? You want to try to pass all around them and and disorganize them and, and and then create a breakthrough and slip some, slip a through ball in for a runner. And he finishes perfectly in a one-on-one situation that, that is like the, you know, that's the archetype. That's what man city do. That's what like the best teams in the world do, but it's because they have world-class players who are able to manipulate the soccer ball in a way that almost any other mortal, you know, man or woman (laughs) can't do. So, um, Atlanta United doesn't have those players, and I think that Tata Martino kind of recognized that and took the pragmatic approach of like, okay, well, if we can't disorganize people with our technical skill, then we can definitely do it. You know, we can create chaos still by just, you know, sending Mm -hmm. the ball into the mixer and hope shit happens, essentially. And I think that Frank DeBoer is averse to, you know, he wants to stick more to like the quote-unquote philosophy, that type of thing, and Um, so I think we're, that's the main reason we're seeing less of that. I'll be interested to see if he ever does kind of ask his team to break from that, from, from that, and just to send in the crosses. Like if it's a do or die situation, you know, playoffs playoff type of situation or something like that. But yeah, it just felt like in that game, they needed something to happen. I asked, uh, Justin Miram that after the game, like, I was like, when you took the shot that you just feel like, you know, you just needed to, Put, you know, just fire one in just to make some, try to make something happen. And I think that, that that is kind of like what he was feeling. You just, you just needed something, some action to happen in the goal mouth and just hope, hope that you can capitalize on it.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And thank God that he actually, you know, tried to score yesterday because no one else seemed super interested in doing anything towards the goal. It seemed like, um, I was going to say that. While you were saying that, I, I had the thought that this is the least Dutch way possible to do things, I guess, is just throwing crosses and hoping something sticks. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. uh, you're starting to wonder if it's at the point where teams are going to bunker so much that you got to try it at some point. Um, but we'll see. Hey, Whatever. I, these these I, are dumb talk about. I wish things were more open and fun.
0: I do wonder if one of the reasons we didn't see more just like incisive runs and passes was uh, was down to, so it it was very obvious right from the outset and almost throughout the game, Brandon Vasquez did a ton of running, um, but most of it off the ball, like defensively, um, he was just charging around. It it was almost like he was running for two, (laughs)
1: like, uh,
0: like, like a a pregnant mother or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was running for pity, you know, like he was like, he was when the ball would kind of go out to that wing, Brandon would run all the way out there to kind of support him. Um, and and then he was also closing down like the center back. So uh, I kind of felt bad for him, but I think it maybe it maybe it took some energy away from him uh when the team had the ball to to try to make those runs. And I think there was also you could see there was a little bit, bit a little bit of just hesitancy, you know, with a guy like Brandon Vazquez. The the other players around him aren't as familiar with his runs and things like that. So just like getting on the same page and timing those things can be difficult when you have these subs coming in, um, reserve players as as I would refer to them as. Um, coming into the game and playing. So, but don't tell Gazan their reserves. Yeah, did he
1: did he semantics you last night? Did he? Well, actually, you guys. Uh, yeah,
0: amazing. He's, he he. Uh, totally,
1: what you want to be focused on after a game? This is why we don't interview
0: goalkeepers. Because <laughs> what are they going to do? Goalkeepers feisty. My favorite ever Braguzan moment was when uh, one of our. I almost said former writers. I mean, he is a former writer, I think, but he's still in the crew. Harris Kruskich, our Lord and Savior, Harris Kruskich. Or, or Um Harris
1: Kruskich he, saw a dude that looked vaguely like Jonah Hill just in the Bahamas where he was vacationing <laughs> this week and said, Hey, Jonah, and the guy glared back at him because it was absolutely
0: <laughs> not Jonah Hill. Okay, doesn't any sane person like ask like a family friend or or uh, something you, you go like, hey is that Jonah Hill? You know poor, and, and you, and you kind of decide
1: own or something. I I'm baffled. I'm baffled. There's no <laughs> there's no uh, pretense with Harris, he just goes right for it. Anyway, He's we right for it. there was he a there
0: was a there was a training session once last year and Harris, Harris is asked, the Knicks.
1: What? Anyway, Harris is the Knicks of people. Oh it's yeah. Disaster. Anyway,
0: we were we were interviewing Brad and uh, Harris had a great question asking if uh, if Brad had any like advanced analytics or any kind of, you know, advanced metrics that goalkeepers uh, will look at to try to see if they can, you know, if there are areas of weakness in their game or whatever or something they can improve. And Brad just because then goes, you people. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's amazing. It's amazing what you people come up with. He may not have. Don't quote me on you people, but it, but that was definitely the sentiment that he was expressing. Amazing. And then I think he,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't, I never understand why we're asking the guy with like maybe the worst view on the field, <laughs> yeah. like what's happening. <laughs> How did you feel about the team going forward? I couldn't yeah. see shit, so you know what?
0: <laughs> yeah. I wish they
1: would do that one time. But I kind whatever. of,
0: I kind of chuckled on the inside in the locker room after the game when we were talking to him, and someone asked, you know. How about Miram? You know how, what, what, what was your uh, what, what was your uh, your analysis of Miram's play? And it's like, yeah, great goal. You know <laughs> what's what's he gonna add? What kind of insight is he gonna add from from the goalkeeper position? Oh well, yeah.
1: dumb, dumb. This whole thing was dumb.
0: I don't <sighs> got anything
1: to add. It's just, um, just make it through the week where there is another god dang midweek game, and then a game on Sunday, and there is another god yeah, dang do- midweek game.
0: We play Chicago, We play in Chicago on Wednesday. Funnily enough, then I'm traveling up to Chicago after that game. I say and we then, forfeit
1: and rest everyone for Red Bulls because all we, I we better win that Red Bulls game. I, I want to beat Red Bulls in the regular season once in my life before we die. That would be right. that would be nice before the heat death of the universe. Beat Red Bulls once
0: in the regular season. Um, is there anything else we need to talk about? there's been very short there was this uh, dude
1: in the in the bar who uh kept calling dogs doggos and that made me want to
0: leave the bar i almost just made an andrew carlton joke but i'm holding off
1: (laughs) powder springs post malone let's get (laughs) out of here
0: bye y'all all All right (laughs) see ya